0: The Spanish Flu of 1918 was the greatest pandemic in recorded history. Recent estimates suggest that this flu claimed as many as 50 million lives around the world between 1918 and 1919, killing more people in a single year than the entire Black Death of the 14th century. As the world confronts a new pandemic, it is worth remembering the history of the Spanish flu. And how it set us on the path towards our modern flu vaccine. When the first cases of the influenza A H1N1 pandemic broke out in 1918 during the final year of World War I, the origins of this deadly pandemic were unknown. Contemporary explanations in the Allied nations range from fears of a new form of biological warfare to a byproduct of trench warfare resulting from the use of mustard gas. The Spanish flu is also misnamed. The idea that the pandemic began in Spain relates to reports in the press of cases of influenza in the summer of 1918, where as many as 8 million Spaniards succumbed to the disease. Even the King of Spain, Alfonso XIII, caught influenza in 1918. However, the first cases actually broke out months earlier in a military camp in Kansas, where few noticed the signs of the pandemic to come amid the ongoing war. On March 4th, 1918, company cook Albert Gitchell, possibly patient zero, reported sick with a fever of 104 degrees Fahrenheit at Camp Funston, part of Fort Riley, where 54,000 men were gathered for basic training. Within days, 522 soldiers reported sick, and by the end of the month, 1,100 soldiers were admitted to hospital with influenza. The wartime context for the pandemic is especially important. Not only did the flu claim more lives than the war itself and prolong the suffering brought about by the First World War, but the pandemic also followed the movement of soldiers around the globe. The American Expeditionary Forces which deployed out of Kansas to France, were likely carrying the flu with them in the spring of 1918, as the Allies rushed deployments to halt the German Ludendorff offensive. The first British cases occurred in mid-April as well, spreading out of ports and Scottish dockyards. Still, little attention was paid to what contemporary physicians describe as a, quote, three-day fever, end quote that was circulating in Europe in late spring and early summer 1918. In this first phase of the pandemic, most patients recovered quickly. Their fevers broke after two days and most were fit for work within a week. Only a minority of patients suffered complications such as pneumonia that led to fatalities. Moreover, by June 1918, the number of cases in Europe and North America began to steadily decline leading to a belief that the flu pandemic was over. In late August, however, the flu reemerged suddenly across the globe with much greater lethality. This second phase of the pandemic began almost simultaneously in Brest on August 22nd, in Freetown on August 24th, and in Boston on August 27th, all major military port cities. Over the course of the next four months, flu circled the globe, infecting approximately 500 million people. Hospitals were overwhelmed. Doctors and nurses disproportionately fell victim to the pandemic while treating an unprecedented number of patient cases. Pulmonary complications appeared more frequently, contributing to a mortality rate 25 times higher than a normal influenza outbreak. Fatalities peaked in November 1918. Military officials were often the first to realize the severity of the flu, but they did not understand the nature of the illness. The Royal Army Medical Corps began bacteriological examinations of soldiers for Pfeiffer's bacillus. The German physician and bacteriologist Richard Pfeiffer had incorrectly identified Pfeiffer's bacillus as the causal microbe responsible for the flu in 1892. In the United States, William H. Welch, former president of the American Medical Association and a member of the Johns Hopkins Medical School, studied the epidemic in military camps in September 1918, employing state-of-the-art medical research techniques to treat Pfeiffer's bacillus. Welch and his team tried a host of anti-serums, vaccines, and medical compounds, all to no avail. Their microscopes could not see something as small as a virus. Meanwhile, civilian public health programs remain conflicted about how to respond to the pandemic. Arthur Newsome, head of the British Local Government Board, the government organization responsible for the oversight of domestic public health campaigns, told Britain simply to, quote, carry on, end quote, to impose quarantines necessary to contain the pandemic would have been too detrimental to the war economy. Parliament did not impose any sort of public health legislation until November 1918, and these laws only limited the duration of public gatherings and access to cinemas. In the United States, the American Public Health Association, the APHA, was more proactive in its efforts to prevent the spread of flu and reduce the severity of the pandemic. The APHA recognized that the disease was extremely communicable and sought to break the channels of infection. It initiated respiratory hygiene education campaigns about the dangers of coughing, sneezing, and the careless disposal of nasal discharge. The gauze mask was another important preventive tool. The face masks consisted of a half yard of gauze folded like a triangular bandage covering the mouth, nose, and chin. Some cities like San Francisco legislated that everyone should wear a gauze mask in public. A popular rhyme was created to remind people of the city ordinance. Obey the laws and wear the gauze. Protect your jaws from septic paws. Ultimately, very little succeeded to effectively control the pandemic. By winter 1918, the pandemic suddenly dropped off although a third, final, and milder phase would resurge in the spring of 1919. It, too, passed naturally. Physicians and medical researchers could ultimately do little about the flu's onslaught because they did not understand what was causing it. For years, physicians wanted to quietly forget their inability to combat the pandemic. Yet the 1918 global influenza pandemic left an important legacy in the history of medicine. Beyond shocking tolls, the pandemic inspired a surge in biomedical research. In 1919, doctors attempted to vaccinate patients against influenza, developing a vaccine for Pfeiffer's bacillus that proved completely ineffective. After the pandemic had passed, biomedical researchers began to reevaluate the etiology of influenza the goal of preventing a future pandemic. Between 1935 and the early 1960s, the influenza virus was the most studied virus infecting humans. In 1936, H1N1, the strain of the influenza responsible for the pandemic, was isolated in the laboratory. This began the path towards a vaccine, which was first tested, again in the context of war, on US soldiers during World War II. Today, we are regularly vaccinated against the H1N1 strain of influenza in our annual flu shot so that, with hope, we do not have a repeat of the 1918 pandemic. It was a human catastrophe that should never have been forgotten.